0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Gifted Gas Bag with Mandy, and this time, look, it's it's the 26th, last episode I uploaded on the 29th, it's almost been a month. Um, Will you feel better if I told you I recorded two podcasts in that time and then my phone deleted them on me? Devices don't want to work. <clears throat> I'm not putting it all down to Mercury being in retrograde, but I'm just saying it didn't help anything. Uh- <laughs> A friend told me that this morning, that Mercury is in retrograde. I've been blaming everything on it all day. It's wonderful. It's great to not have to (laughs) take ownership of my terrible mood and bad attitude. Ah, September, hey? September kind of flew by. Um, But that's a good thing, because September kind of sucks. I don't know if any of you have noticed. It's not the greatest month. September is the Thursday of the year, isn't it? It's not close enough to Christmas or any of the fun holidays to get excited or the end of the year to get excited, but it's far enough away from any other fun stuff to be kind of boring. You know what it is? It's an October blocker because we want like the fun Halloween movies and possible Halloween parties and Halloween candy and Halloween decorations and let's face it, everything to be themed Nightmare Before Christmas. Um... But, yeah, September's in the way. August, you get, like, the whole autumny vibey thing. I think people dig August. I don't really dig September. September's a crap month. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Two of my family members have birthdays in September. You know what? That's the only pleasant thing about September, is uh, my dad and my grandmother, well, it's, for my dad, it's his mother-in-law, have birthdays one day after each other. Isn't that lovely? This year... I got my father, (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to my mum about what to get him because my dad's a simple dude He likes basic stuff and if he wants something he just goes and gets it, which makes him hard to buy for. So I was talking to him and she said something about him liking colourful socks. Now, my dad is very much a um, navy with white striped polo shirt jeans and sneakers wearing dude um he likes to be comfortable and he's not too fussed with color i mean partly part part of this could be he's colorblind <laughs> my dad has uh red green color blindness, which is i think the less severe version of colorblindness so if you ever see like a colorblind image that looks very blue and yellow that's what people with red green deficiency see you can look it up um Blue green color blindness is way more severe and usually means that things look a lot more greyish, um, and v- things blend in more together than they do when you have red green color blindness. S- and red green color blindness, by the way, way more common than blue blue yellow deficiency. Um, so yeah, color is not a big thing for Dad because again, he just sort of doesn't take it into account much. I think. Plus, he and my mum used to argue sometimes over a colour of something, like he'd want to paint the car a colour. And she'd be like, Ken, it's, it's baby puke green. And he's like, no, it's a nice shade. And he's, she's like, it looks terrible. And he's like, not to me. And she's like, yes, but your eyes don't work. It's, it's hard to convince someone that, <laughs> that what looks terrible to them looks lovely to everybody else and vice versa. So, um, But he has been enjoying more colourful and interesting socks. So he's kind of venturing into like the, hey, I can wear bold colours territory and i want to encourage that so much cuz life is too short not to enjoy bright colors and i'm i'm not much into this camp of look like, you know my dad is is older cuz i'm old therefore my dad would be old um <laughs> and he's in that camp of you know men's bathroom products must be in a black bottle and say things like for men and have seven uses you know like it's it's still that kind of outdated Thing that um I just, you know, I, I've i gotten my brother a bit better with that. I will say I've, I've talked to my brother about like, hey, you know, there's nothing stopping you from using like a shower gel that smells like strawberries if you like it. And yeah, he's leaned into that. So my brother is not much for the whole let's buy the black bottle five in ones because those are only for men because somehow being a man means you need stuff that doesn't smell good and is not enjoyable in any way. So I want to encourage this leaning into some colour and some frivolity. So I found these socks that are, I got him some Fruit Loops socks. These are all at Target, by the way, if you want to get some. Uh, I got him some socks that have drumsticks on them, like the ice creams. And I think the other pair I got him have Monopoly all over them. So they look like a Monopoly board. So I got three pairs of fancy socks and some thongs that have the Paddle Pop Lion on them. What he doesn't know is that this is only just beginning. And I also plan to go super colourful for Christmas because um, my mum did mention my dad has been eyeing off very colourful shirts and kind of umming and auring over them. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't actually know the uh, gender split or gender identity split of my listening audience. But if any of you out there, hold yourself back from embracing bright colors simply because you're like oh i couldn't possibly if you want it do it i swear to god just express yourself even if it doesn't match the stuff you wear life is too short not to wear the sparkly thing or like enjoy fucking hot pink glasses or the you know the ridiculous sunglasses that you're like oh i couldn't possibly they don't fit my aesthetic screw it wear them anyway <laughs> life- just you know lean into the stuff, and if you're if you're someone that usually got you know buys the five in ones and the black bottles because you think you're supposed to, I mean if you like it, cool, but if you'd like, oh, I wish you know we had nice fun smelling stuff, just do it there, there's no rules, gender's all a fucking joke anyway, <laughs> it is yeah, and oh god I don't even want to get into the argument of the whole. Ugh, I accidentally angered a TERF on Tumblr the other week. Um, For those of you who don't know, TERF stands for, um, it's an acronym, uh, Trans Erasing Radical Feminist. And it basically is someone who thinks that trans people are an assault on feminism because it's men attempting to co-opt female culture. It's gonna take a moment to let the absolute fucking stupidity of that sentence sink in. Um, it's the reason that J.K. Rowling can jump off a cliff and I'm never buying anything to do with Harry Potter ever again, nor will I support any of the films or anything to do with it. Anything that gets her money will not get mine, just straight up. Um, and it comes down to this. I'm not going to argue with people over biology. I'm not going to argue with people over, you know, the whole definition of what men and women are because it's not. it's got nothing to do with that. That's all a bunch of noise. You know what it comes down to? You're going to look at a person and say the way that you choose to live your life is an assault on other people without you meaning it to be. We insist you behave and act the way we want you to. We insist you identify and behave the way we want you to to make us feel more comfortable. And in no way is that a good thing. It's just, it's the same old shit. It's the same old prejudice shit packaged in a different case and I just won't be part of it. So... If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'm a radical feminist and I don't agree with what you're saying, Mandy, then I would strongly encourage you to question your beliefs because you're wrong. It's it's just true. Give it 10, 20 years and you'll be looking back at it and going, can you believe people thought that? How terrible to say things like that about trans people, one of the most marginalized groups ever. They get treated like absolute garbage. They have, did you know this? The primary cause of um, death for people who are trans is suicide and murder. Because that is how dangerous it is to be alive. And they think like, oh, they want to use our bathrooms. I can't even imagine how terrifying it is to just try and exist. And have people staring at you like you're some kind of sex offender. Just for being a person. Anyway, that got dark. But I just wanted to state my position on that. Because it's so fucking clear. Me, I don't understand how it's complicated. If you just want to be who you are and live your life how you want and dress how you want, no one should be telling you that what you're doing is wrong. The only time anything you're doing is wrong is when it's directly impacting or hurting someone else. And I can tell you right now that someone coming in and using the stall next to me to pee isn't hurting me because that's what people are going into a bathroom for. You really think that if we just make unisex bathrooms, people are going to start sexually assaulting each other? I have news for you that happens already and it's got nothing to do with the sign on the door. So being stupid, (laughs) being so stupid, it's a presupposition. It's all predicated on a presupposition of deviancy based on identity. And that is the problem. It's the same thing with people thinking that, you know, like, oh, I have no problem with gay people. I've got nothing against gay people. I just don't think they should raise kids. Those sentences like that is where you have to, real, you kind of challenge the assumption. It's just like, but you do have prejudice. You just don't think you do. Yeah. I had to pause there for a moment. Oh, I got a phone call through. Um, okay. What was I talking about? Yes. People that have prejudice and don't think that they do. A lot of people don't realize their prejudice because it's, it's an innate pattern of thinking and you have to challenge it. So you have to say, well, why don't you think that, you know, question it. Why don't you think that they should be raising kids? And it's like, well, because kids need a mom and a dad. And it's like, what about single parents? And I was like, well, I suppose that's okay. And I said, okay, so the only thing that you're having a problem with then is their their sexual preference. And it's got no bearing on their ability to raise children. Would you argue that? And it's you know you can you know pull this stuff apart, and then its root, it is just prejudice packaged in another format. Because people like to be told that they're right, and have their bias confirmed. You know they, they look for the information that supports the thing they already think, so then they don't have to challenge the things they think. Ugh, turfs. Anyway, I'll switch the topic because it's um, while I think it's important. I know the reason you come here and listen. Um, I think I know the reason you come here and listen. Most of you are here just to kind of have a calming, chatty voice in the background talking about inane nonsense while you go about your day. So let's get to that. We'll get off the heavy shit and talk about some silly stuff, shall we? The first silly thing we will get into is how I spent my weekend. <laughs> my, my weekend just gone. Because it's the thing forefront of my mind right now. I went out to my parents for the weekend because my aunt and uncle and their babies, otherwise known as their wiener dogs. <laughs> oh, their names are Toby and Oates, for those of you who were curious. Um, they were visiting my parents from Victoria, and it's been a long time since I've seen them, so I wanted to visit, see, spend some time with them, catch up. So I went out and saw them. And on Saturday night, I went to sleep, and it had one of those nights. Like, I I rarely remember my dreams, but do you ever have those nights where you feel like you have 7,000 dreams at once? You know, you wake up feeling exhausted because you feel like you had so many dreams and you kept sort of stirring in the night and going like, oh, that was a weird dream. That was a weird one. Okay, that was weird. Then when you wake up, your brain's just kind of a scramble of half-remembered dreams. That was my sleep on Saturday night, right? And I woke up and before my brain was even fully awake you know that's when you start having like the half remembered dream thoughts the first thought I had was right I'm gonna have to make sure that all my stuff's in my bag because when I have the car accident it'll be easy to get my stuff out of the car and then it was and I'll message my brother just to let him know where I am and before I leave because that way if I need a lift after I crash the car then he can and then like my my cognizant brain clicked in and I'm like wait a second, hang on am I? why do I think I'm going to have a car accident and then I kind of in my brain put it down to oh okay I must have had a dream that I had a car accident. I couldn't remember one but I it was it like a half remembered memory of a thing that I had to do later that day not, I was thinking of it, not in a scary way, just as like a thing that was coming up, like a doctor's appointment. Like, oh yeah. I'm when I, when I have the car accident, I'll, <laughs> I can't explain this. I wasn't scared of it. I was convinced I would be fine, but my car would be taken out of commission. I just wouldn't be able to drive my car after the accident that I was going to have, that I was certain I was going to have. Because it was just a thing that was going to happen later on. Maybe that day, maybe in a few days. But I was fairly certain I would be having a car accident soon. And it was weird in how I didn't think it was weird. Because I still had that... You know that thing like weird shit happens in dreams and you're just like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't... this? Of course this is happening because this makes total sense. But it really doesn't. And I couldn't shake that. And I was just thinking like, God, I must be really tired. My brain won't sort of switch out of this way of thinking. Anyway... I did think to myself, I'll just be... Not that I'm not a careful driver, but I'll just be extra careful today. I'll stay away from other cars because all I've got to do is mostly straight line highway driving. It's not hard to drive from my parents back to my place. And I thought, what I will do, because Sunday afternoon can get pretty busy on the roads, people heading back and forth, you know, to get ready for the work week. I'll just make sure I'm off the road around peak time. I won't be on the roads at, like, say... 35 o'clock onwards because that's when it gets busy and i decided i would leave a bit earlier um about two or three o'clock should be off the road should be really nice and quiet not too many trucks or anything like that so i've said hooray to the family give everyone a hug got my stuff in the car and i'm driving and i'm thinking i'll just take it easy like if i'm not if i'm being careful i'm not going to get into an accident Um, about 20 minutes into my drive, there was a car in front of me and there was this older woman driving it who I found out after because she like, yeah, went around to go past me. But yeah, she, um, she was doing anywhere between 70 and 110 and would hit the accelerator and speed right up. And I'd come up to like, just sit on the hundred behind her and then she'd go even faster And then she'd slam her brake on in the middle of the road and drop the car back to 60, 70 Ks. And I would have to slam the brake on to stay away from her. I was leaving a good amount of distance, but I still had to hit the brake. And at this point, I'm like, she is dangerous. Now, it occurred to me that when she got down to like 60 or 70, I'm like, I should just overtake her because she's dangerous. But I had that thought of like, what if she speeds up? What if I get stuck? What if she hits me? She's also weaving all over the place. Like staying in her lane... But almost going off the road and then like overlapping the middle line, I was like, is she, at that point I didn't know it was a she. I'm like, is that person drunk or just insane or a terrible driver or can they not see? What is going on here? So rather than go around, I thought just be safe because I don't want this person to be the one that's going to cause the accident that I'm, that, this is how I'm thinking of it in my head. I'm like, I don't want them to be the one that causes an accident here. I will um, back right off. So I did. Did it make my trip take longer? Yes, it did. But, you know, I'm like, I'm not in a rush. I just want to get home. It's fine. And then, yeah, I got to like a roundabout and I got to see her. She turned around and went back the other way. She did a U-turn at the roundabout and I was behind her. So I saw it was an old lady and I'm like, okay, you just really shouldn't have your license anymore. What an idiot. The road was mostly quiet most of the way back. I did get stuck behind a caravan at one point. And there was a moment Um, because I pulled up at a service station and grabbed a drink and there was a moment when I got back in the car and I started heading out onto the road where I was changing up gears because my car is a manual I was changing up gears and it was like the car would rev a lot when I would get into my new gear and I'm like oh and then it would suddenly seem like click into gear and I'm like this is weird I'm I'm thinking to myself I'm going to mention this to my dad because my car shouldn't be misbehaving like this so When I get home, I'll call dad later and explain it. And he can tell me what I should do. Probably take it to a mechanic and get it checked over. So I'm doing this. um, And then later on, there was a moment where I was stuck behind this caravan. This caravan was doing about 80 the whole way. And at first I'm like, I'm just going to sit back. And I don't want to do 80 the whole way home. Why am I behind all these aggravating people? But it's fine. It's fine. I'll just sit back with my cruise control and keep a safe distance because I'm being careful because I don't want to have the crash that I'm definitely going to have today. <laughs> I'm so convinced, just bone deep. Like I knew for sure I'm going to have an accident today. It's so weird. Anyway, sorry, I'll stop harping on about that. But so this caravan, there's a section of road where there is a big, long overtaking lane and they warn you in advance that there's a big, long overtaking lane coming up, like overtaking ahead of 300 metres, blah, blah. And in my head, I'm like, look, I'm not even going around. It's not dangerous. It's an overtaking lane. I can definitely go around this caravan safely. Because if I just come up to 100, at their current speed, I'll go around them in the distance that I've got. So I start to go around. I go to the, uh, to the central, you know, overtaking lane. I'm going around it. And this caravan speeds up to match me. And I realize... Um, They either can't see me or don't care that I'm next to them, and I end up having to slam the brakes on to let them come back over because the guy or girl or whoever it was, the person driving uh, had forgotten how long they were with the caravan on the back and had not allowed enough room to come back over, and the caravan was going to come on top of me, so I've slammed the brakes on to to let them go around. As I've done that, I've had to change down gear and as I did it, because I've, I've come down to nearly 60, because he not only came over on top of me, but then slammed the brakes on as soon as he did. So I backed right the fuck off. Um, as I've done that and come like changed down gears, my car started revving like crazy. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, any time I hit the accelerator, the car started revving like mad. And I'm driving along and I'm like trying to get back up to speed again. I'm changing up like fourth gear, fifth gear. Fourth gear, about 60. Fifth gear, around 80. Um, And sixth gear should be where I sit comfortably on 100, right? I'm trying to get up into fifth gear, but the car will not speed up. It, like, won't sit above 70. And the car's going, like, revving really high, but it won't change up gear. And I'm sort of, like, dropping back speed, caravan goes off ahead, whatever. Um, I realize I start to smell smoke. I'm like, oh, oh, that smells bad. That smells like, I don't know, burnt rubber, burnt something. And the car is still revving like shit. I'm trying to change down and anytime I hit the accelerator it's just getting slower and slower but it's revving like crazy and I just go I need to pull over and I hit my hazards and um, I hit my hazard lights because there's cars coming up behind me at full speed and I need them to know I'm not driving fast and there's a reason for that and then I had to look for a place to safely pull over which means that I led a conga line of cars along a big stretch of road. I mean it was probably no longer than like 30 seconds, but it felt like 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, just this line of cars behind me getting increasingly frustrated with how slow I'm going. I have the hazards on to let them know there's a reason I'm going this slow. And I'm sure if they had their fans on in their cars, they could have smelt the stink that was coming out of my car. It still stinks. If I go out to my car right now, it stinks like ugh, it's nasty. Um, found uh, the only point I could pull over because the rest of the road was just like ditch. Uh, I couldn't safely pull off without putting it in a really deep ditch. So I pulled off on someone's driveway and just had to hope that they didn't want to leave anytime soon. So I did that and I called my dad and I said, because my dad is the repository of all mechanical knowledge. I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, this is what's happening. And I explained what was happening. I explained the smell and he went, ah, I think you've done your clutch. Do me a favor, put the car in neutral. And I put my foot down on the clutch to put the car in neutral because it was turned off with the hazard still going. Yeah, I turn the, <laughs> put the key in, turn the car on, put my foot on the clutch and it goes straight to the floor with no resistance and it stays there. And that's when dad says, you've done your clutch. Your car is going nowhere. You need to call a tow truck. So that is what I did. Um, I called a tow truck, got the tow guy out there, got my car on um had a nice conversation with the tow man thought to myself partway through this lovely conversation with the tow man who it turns out went to the same high school as me and we know some of the same people um had, had this idle thought i'm like is 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 tow is tow truck man floating with me or am i look guys you need to know this right this is this has taken a whole different veer off but I'll i'll get back to my original thing here I am absolutely flippin' hopeless with knowing if anyone is flirting with me because I just never assume it is a possibility at all. I don't imagine anyone looking at me and going, that is a romantic prospect, because that is not how I think of myself. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it had to be overt for me to notice. And I was just like, is, is Tow Truck Guy flirting? No, no, don't be silly. And I dismissed the thought. Uh, and anyway, So back to the original point, I messaged everyone, let them know like I was safe, um, let them know like I've got a tow truck, I'm fine, but my car is a Deadsville. And uh, mentioned, hey, thought I was going to have a car accident today. Turns out, no, but my car is definitely still out of commission. This is the, and they're like, you seem really calm about this. I'm like, this is actually the best scenario. Because I fully expected to be in a car accident. (laughs) So this is actually kind of okay. I'm pretty chill about this. Uh, anyway, tow truck driver manages to get my car back to my place uh, expertly. I don't know how he managed it because my driveway is narrow AF, but he got my car back into where I keep it parked down the, the back of the driveway. And um, I paid for the tow truck, which was not cheap, but not as expensive as I was thinking it could have been. And, um, Yeah, like I gave him a mobile number to get a receipt for the the payment. And off he went. And I now have a car, but it doesn't go anywhere. And I've called three mechanics today asking for quotes. And they've all said, they've all taken my details and said, we'll call you back with a quote. And I haven't heard from a single one of them. You're like, what about that phone call you got earlier? That was from the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. They want my blood Because I'm an O negative, which makes me highly desirable, apparently. Um, It's because they can give my blood to anybody. So if they have someone come into the ER and they're like, they need blood, but they don't know what type of blood, they'll usually give them my blood. Or I should say O negative blood. Not just, I don't want you to think that I am the sole supplier of blood for every emergency department in Queensland, because that's only partly true. No. Oh dear. So yeah, last night I was just sort of thinking about what I'm going to do because apparently a repair on my car, my car is 10 years old. A repair of the clutch on my car can be fairly pricey. And if it gets beyond a certain price, I may just think about getting another car. Not a new car, because that's what everyone keeps saying to me. You're going to get a new car? Like, new cars are so expensive. No. <laughs> what I might get is a second-hand car. Although I was having a look today, and I've got to tell you, second-hand cars are looking to be about the same price as a new car. Thank you, car shortages. Driving up the price of stuff. <sighs> I hate that I'm surprised that inflation has hit cars as well. You know, inflation has hit everything except my bank account. You notice that? Why isn't inflation hitting my bank account? It's rude is what it is. Oh, and that little uh, side note I threw in there about, was the truck driver flirting with me? Yes. Uh, yes, he was because I got a text message later on that day just asking for my rego number, which apparently he forgot to take down. So I sent him my rego number and then he sent me, thanks, love, good chatting today. And I sent back, Thank you very much for the toe, the toe lift, and everything. Um, good chatting to you too. And then he said, "Don't worry, I'm sure your boyfriend will fix your car for you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I have Toe guy's number. Yay for me! And I've already asked, and no, he doesn't know how to fix a clutch. <sighs> Oh, goodness. What else have I been up to otherwise? Well, I had two weeks off work right after that uh, jury duty that I didn't need to do anything with. Um, I had taken two weeks off work and then I forgot that I took two weeks off work until a co-worker messaged me and said, hey, you excited about tomorrow? And I'm like, what, Friday? Yeah, I love me a good Friday. Means the weekend's around the corner. And she said, no, for your leave And I went, oh, because, yeah, I forgot. So if you're wondering, didn't Mandy, did you plan a holiday? Like, no, I didn't didn't even know that I had time off. (laughs) So I didn't plan anything. I still had a good amount of time off, though, because sometimes it really is just fun to live like you don't have to work for a living. You know, wake up whenever you want. Go go to a cafe at like 10 a.m. and have a really nice eggs benny and a chai latte and then... Go sit in the park with a book and and do some Pokemon hunting because you're suddenly playing Pokemon Go again for some fucking reason. Um, (laughs) And then go to the shops and wander around just because you've got the time and you can. And it's in the middle of the day, so no one else is out at the shops. It's like nice and quiet. And, yeah, have it like drive around town while the sun's out. And play nice, you know, play music you like. Open the house wide open. Like, throw the house wide open. Get all the sun and the nice... Because we're finally getting some decent days, you know. Um, Throw the windows open. Do some dusting and cleaning and decluttering and make your space feel nice. I don't know. I think, basically, if you ask what I got done with most of my leave, I'd say spring cleaning and decluttering. (laughs) Which I did. Um... With the help of a friend, actually, I, not that they came and helped me, but they gave me a great tip for decluttering. And now it's like my decluttering strategy forever. Um, she said that, cause I'm like, I'm probably ADDAF, that's a whole other issue, but I get easily distracted and tasks can be like too overwhelming. So if I think about decluttering my kitchen, I just sort of sit back and stare at it. Cause I don't know where to start. Where do you start? What do you do? And she said, well, do something that takes the choice out of your hands, which is where I came up with the idea of rolling a dice designating different areas in my house a number and rolling a dice and the dice determined where I started. So when I was like, okay, today I want to declutter something. I wrote down uh, bedroom, office, lounge room, dining room, laundry, bathroom. Yeah, you get the idea. And everything got a number next to it and I rolled and number six was the first roll and that was bedroom. So I did my bedroom that day. But then the other part of the strategy, it was to do it in segments. Because I don't know about you, but when I start cleaning or doing anything, I'll just like go, okay, um, I'll pick up this thing that's on the floor and I'll put it somewhere. Ooh, and then I've seen this and that should go over here. Now, should I get cleaning supplies? Do I clean or declutter? Do I do this? Do I do that? And you end up just kind of walking back and forth, achieving nothing, you know, moving things from one place to another, but nothing gets done. So my friend suggested what you do is you pick a section. So like do it one shelf at a time or one draw at a time or one zone at a time. And what you do is you just start with, I don't know, in, I just went left to right. Honestly, I picked like shelves and went left to right, uh, top to bottom, left to right and worked that way. And I would do one shelf at a time and let's take everything out, make three piles, keep, throw, donate, put everything in the piles. And then everything you're going to throw away goes in a garbage bag. Everything you're going to donate goes in your donate bags. And then everything you're going to keep gets neatly folded and put back after you've wiped out the shelf. And that strategy, I got my entire bedroom decluttered, but all of the wardrobe and all the storage in the wardrobe decluttered as well. It was great. I didn't, I've done half my kitchen because I still haven't done some of the, the cupboards. I've, I've ran out of declutter time for the kitchen. My office is done. My lounge room is done and my dining room is done and my laundry's done. So, oh, and the bathroom. So I've done the, okay, the only areas I've got left are some of the kitchen cupboards and there's a hallway cupboard in the laundry that I haven't done yet. Oh, and some of the storage cupboards in the office. I still need to do. But as a decluttering strategy, it's really solid. I highly recommend it. I also employed this strategy uh, this weekend, just gone, when out visiting my parents because my gran wanted her pantry decluttered. And I was like, we're going to do the same strategy, one shelf at a time. Everything comes off the shelf. The shelf gets wiped out and cleaned. And then we have three piles. Keep, donate, throw. Um, Although in a pantry it's way easier because who donates their food? Um, Not my gran because she loves canned goods. So everything canned, most of the canned stuff went back in the pantry. (laughs) So it wasn't like a donate situation. Um, Although I scored some flaky sea salt that I had brought her that she never used. And I think my parents scored an extra roll of alfoil and some olive oil because she just kept buying them over and over again. You know when you think you've got something and then you think you don't have it so you buy it and then you realise you've got it but then you buy it again? Yeah, a bit of that. So that's fun. Um, What else have I been up to? Oh god, i got so much television watched. Like you guys know, I love my TV. I love my stories. I'm going to be one of those old people in a nursing home saying, Everyone shut up, it's time for my stories. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, I look forward to that. Is that sad? I don't care. So what have I gotten watched? Oh, I started watching the Dharma series, the series about Jeffrey Dharma on Netflix. That's that um Evan Peters led dr- dramatic series about Jeffrey Dharma. look Jeffrey Dharma, I will admit is one of those cases. I think a lot of people are fascinated with Ted Bundy, but Jeffrey Dharma always fascinated me in like this creepy like he scares the crap out of me and it's not because like because Ted Bundy was all smiles and charismatic and they talk about how friendly and likable he was Jeffrey Dahmer was not that at all like he came off as a creep to a lot of people and everyone knew there was something wrong with him and there was something weird about him and he didn't do a whole lot to cover up what he was doing like he could have made so much more effort to get away with the things that he did, but it was like he didn't need to. He just kept getting away with it because he was a rich white man. Well, not rich even, but just straight white man. Get away with fucking everything those days, you know? Because homophobia and racism exist. And if you target people in those margins, cops don't give a shit. It's mm, it's crazy. Um, and it, This idea that everyone knew what a freak he was and how messed up he was and just nothing happened, and he got away with so much. You can't even imagine that happening today. Speaking of that, the amount of serial killers in the 70s and 80s, like operating in America, have you heard the lead-based paint theory? Or the lead in the water theory? Because there's this whole thing about how there were so many serial killers operating in the 70s in the United States. And I mean, around around the world as well but like there was a serious concentration in the states and they talk about the theories about what could be causing this because it's that whole what Was it? i was talking to a, a doctor a gp oh i you think i'm good at having derailed conversations i am fantastic at derailing other people with brains like mine and i love when i meet someone like me because i can just ask them one question and i watch their eyes light up And then we are off for 45 minutes while they're telling me everything about their special interests. I just, oh, I love it when you find someone with a brain like that. One day it happened to me and I was sitting in a doctor's office and I was there for something so boring. I think it was tonsillitis. Yeah, this was years ago. This was when I was in university. I was getting tonsillitis all the time because stress and just terrible living and... I was in with this doctor and he had a book on his shelf. He was one of these doctors that had a heap of books and a heap of like certificates around. And I saw a book about epidemiology. And I said to him um, just in passing, I'm like epidemiology. Is that like what epidemics like diseases? And that was it. I just saw his eyes light up and he was like, well, no, because my, he said my master's thesis was actually about, um, he said this, this topic in particular, because it's one of my specialties. And he's like epidemiology is about the difference between correlation versus causation. And I was like, ooh, okay, explain this to me. And I think we ran over the fucking appointment, just just him explaining all of it. And he talked to me about how... What was it? I'm trying to remember. I love this conversation, so it's one of those ones I've got committed to memory. Uh, Oh, he said to me, if I tell you that men who wear ties to work are statistically far more likely to die of heart attacks what do you extrapolate from that and i said um like it sounds true it sounds accurate and he's like right would you extrapolate that ties are causing heart attacks and i'm like no um because it's not the fact like they they correlate those two things correlate men wearing ties and men dying of heart attacks does is is a corollary bit of information but it's not the cause because all, what it is is that men who wear ties to work are likely to have high stress jobs where they work long hours and they don't eat properly or look after themselves and they're in stressful situations and they're not highly active because they'd be exhausted from their office jobs and that leads to lifestyles that promote heart disease. And he's like, bang on, that's exactly it. And he's like, you can have information that's corollary but isn't pointed at the causation. Or it's that you know what it is. It's it's another way of saying kind of. Well, no, maybe not. It's just reminding me of that that bit of Latin from the West Wing. Um. What is it? Ergo, or was it no? Before, therefore, the cause of. Post hoc, ergo propter hoc. Yeah, it happened after this thing happened. Therefore, the first thing caused the second thing. It's a logical fallacy if you assume that. What is it what is it they say, like after, after one historical event, people stopped eating corn. And they're like, oh, it's because of this historical event. And it's like, well, not necessarily. It could have just been a bad crop that year, you know? So it's the whole one doesn't necessarily cause the other. Um and that's kind of what it came back to with um the serial killers in the States, because there's there's a few theories about why this was a thing. Is it that there was, like, lead in the paint? They talked about, like, a lot of people in America suffered lead poisoning because they didn't realize what a danger it was. And there's the theory that, like, lead poisoning caused psychosis and mental issues in a lot of people, and that could have led to serial killers. Um, Then there's also – so I also uh, have listened to My Favorite Murder, one of my favorite podcasts – And they'll always tell the story or the backstory of these serial killers. And there's always, like, little things that they have in common, quite often, a head injury. Um, Also common is that the father was either abusive or non-existent in their lives. And they had a lot of daddy issues, basically. And then, or a very overbearing or mean or abusive mother. So, like, abusive parents in general can cause the issue. Another one is that the fathers were quite often ex-military. And because of that time, these are like fathers who had been involved in the war in some way, you know, like were soldiers when they were younger and now had kids. And those kids had grown up and become serial killers. Because look at the timing there, like a lot of these serial killer dads were in the army. And it's like, did they get messed up and then in turn pass on that trauma to their children? So there's lots of interesting ideas out there around the prevalence of serial killers in the 70s. And it it begs the question, was it just that we had a prevalence of serial killers in the 70s or because we now have this open information about, like, forensic – you know, you can watch CSI and learn all about how the cops do stuff – is it that we don't have as many serial killers today or are they getting away with it? You know? Like, I, I would suspect not because it would be hard – I was about to say it would be hard to make a lot of people disappear like they used to back then without people noticing. But that's not true. You can because they just have to target the right people. And I think we both, we know um, that if you target people from low socioeconomic backgrounds, people that are in marginalized communities, people of races that are marginalized, people who... Others wouldn't necessarily miss or notice going missing or who live supposedly high-risk lifestyles. It's the thing of that. that's what Jeffrey Dahmer did. He targeted a lot of black men. He targeted a lot of gay men. Um, A lot of those ones that get away with it for a long time are because they target people that they don't think anyone's going to miss. You can look at like the ones that target um, sex workers. They go for years without getting caught. Um, and same with like trafficking people, they just target people that they know, uh, the target people, what is it? Uh, illegal immigrants or sorry, undocumented immigrants get targeted because they know that quite often they can't seek the help of the police without getting into trouble. It's just, yeah, they learn how to game the system. Anywho, this is um, way off topic, but that's kind of what we do here. Right. Uh, I watched the, I've, I've made it through five episodes. Of that new Netflix show Dharma, I'm pretty good with stuff that is, you know, uh, vomit-inducing or squeamish. And I will say, if you are even slightly squeamish, I had to pause the show a couple of times because I actually got sick to my stomach, and that is unheard of for me. So, oh God, yeah. And th- th- I know the details. I know the details of what Jeffrey Dahmer did, but it's it's the it's the way it's filmed. And there's things there where I was like, oh, God, there's one thing to know it and another thing to see it. And I'm not saying it's overly gratuitous trauma porn, because it's not. It's just like it's a lot no matter which way you swing it. And it it's done from a very human perspective and with kind of a tilt towards um, empathy for the victims. So it's even worse. So that's a tough one. I can't binge that show. I, I'm going to finish it. I will watch all of it, but it's going to take me some time because I'll only be able to watch like one episode at a time with some happy things afterwards to cheer me up. Uh, <laughs> what else have I watched? Oh, God. I watched the documentary Welcome to Wrexham. I'm up to date on it. There's still more episodes coming out, but it's the documentary on Disney Plus about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney buying a soccer team which I heard in Ted Lasso that Ryan Reynolds and another celebrity had bought a soccer team. And I thought, what a funny joke. And then found out it wasn't a joke. They legitimately bought a soccer team and they take it very seriously. Cause it's a fifth tier team that have been relegated and have been trying to get promoted for years. And they have one of the oldest stadiums in, uh, in the, I think the world for soccer footy, sorry. And it's a Welsh soccer team. And there's a lot of, you know, like there's a lot of pride in it. And people are diehard fans of it, and it's this whole underdog story. And I'm oh, I'm really invested now. I never thought I'd give a crap about you know English football, but there you go. Now I'm like, I need to, I need them to do well. Cause I need them to succeed. I want those fans to be happy. uh Team sports, man. Team sports just whips up that human empathy thing. Like, you ever see those clips on YouTube where they'll be like, crowd cheers as team wins a breaking, losing streak of like 30 years? And I'll, like, watch those clips and cry because just I'm so happy for them. <sighs> it's almost as bad as the Veterans Coming Home clips. I can't. I, I will just become a sobbing mess. I can't help it. Or crowds singing together. I will. No, I can't. That's. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not much of a crier. But that will do it every time. Crowd, like, crowds singing is something so pure and human and beautiful in it and it just makes me want to cry every time. That video of the crowd at the waiting at the Green Day concert for the band to come on stage and they're singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody, I can't make it through that video because I get like chills so intense that I start crying. And it's not that I'm sad. I'm just it's it's too much. It's like sensory overload. <laughs> I am too excited and too happy and I start crying because I'm just way too happy. Ah. <laughs> oh. That's isn't that such a lovely thing by the way? I remember being younger and thinking who the hell would cry because they're happy. Oh, that's a sad thought. I just I couldn't imagine being so happy that you'd cry because you were overwhelmed with joy. And then as you get older, there's more things, I suppose maybe this is just my experience, but I've I've found more things to be joyful about. And now sometimes I'll just get so happy. If friends get good news, I'll, like, want to cry because I'm so happy for them. <laughs> Isn't that silly? No, sorry. I'm, uh, just, sorry, having a moment where I'm like, don't diminish your emotions. It's a good thing. So I'm leaning into it. Yes, it's a good thing. <sighs> what else? Um, oh, God. Uh, if you know what the YouTube series Don't Hug Me I'm Scared is, there's a TV show. Uh, oh, but bad news, it's only available in the UK. You need a UK address to watch it, unless you're a pirate. And if um, if my obsession with our flag means death has, has taught you nothing, it's that I am nothing if not a pirate. <laughs> Make it available, give me a way to pay for it, or I will find a way to watch it. That is my message to all streaming services and content makers. If I want to watch it, I'm going to do it, but I would rather do it in a way that lets me support the creators. And if you won't allow me to do that, I will simply watch it anyway because I am an impatient mofo and I want to watch the things I want to watch and you will not stop me. (laughs) (sighs) Aside from that, I don't think I'll watch much else. I've been contemplating whether or not to go and see that Don't Worry Darling movie. Here's the thing that bugs me. I wanted to go see it because I like Florence Pugh as an actress. And I liked Nick Kroll and I liked Olivia Wilde's last movie. um, Booksmart. Love that movie. And I was like, yeah, I'll go see this. And now all the PR crap around it with the whole, ooh, you you know some of it's drummed up and fake, right? It's very obviously drawing as much PR as they can because there's no such thing as bad press. As long as people know that your movie exists, they've done a good job. So even if it's bad press because they're giving terrible sound bites in the interviews or there's rumors of feuds between the cast. Like, ugh. I hate it, but it's effective. That's that's the whole point. It's all staged. A lot of it is staged. And it's intended to get you talking about it and it's done its job, right? But that makes me not want to give them my money. I'm like, I don't want to reinforce that behavior. So, you know, eh, yeah. I, I don't want to co-sign on that, that whole, yeah, if you want to sell a movie, just make a heap of drama about it and pretend that it's all serious and shit. Blech. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll wait. I might wait until it's on streaming. I was going to go see it, but I might wait. It's the only message you can send, isn't it? Sometimes, like, with things like that, I'm like, no, like, I was gonna, but, because these days, I feel like the only message you can ever send is where you spend your money what you spend your money on sends a message because it's the only thing they care about. They don't care if you like their movie or not. As long as you paid for the ticket, they've won, you know, I could go see the movie, say it was trash, go on to I mean, I don't do reviews, but I could go online and say, it's a trash movie one star and it doesn't matter. The second I've engaged with it that they got my money. That What I do after that doesn't fucking matter. As many people... Like, I loved Thor, Love and Thunder. But as many people trashed that movie and just went like, it was not serious enough. And comic book nerds crying in the aisles and stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, ultimately, I wasn't worried about it because it's still one of the higher-grossing Marvel movies ever. It still made a ton of money because people still went to see it. And that's the point. It's not... Critical acclaim helps. Um, having people like it word of mouth sometimes helps with a lower budget movie, but if they've got enough money, <laughs> uh, and you, everyone's aware of it no matter what, it doesn't matter how it turns out because they've already won. And it kind of works in Thor Love and Thunder's favor, even though it's like, I'm sorry, if you saw Thor Love and Thunder and you were like, oh, I'm disappointed, it must be such a sad place in your brain because it really is just a happy, joyful movie and it's fun. And it's silly and heartfelt and sweet with some nice emotional human moments. I just don't get people that can't enjoy that or can't get into it. But, you know, to each his own, I suppose. Some, I think expectations matters a lot. I try to go into movies with no expectation because they can really screw you over. That's why if a trailer is done really well for a movie and the movie doesn't match up to the trailer, that movie's boned from the off, you know? And then sometimes you see like, the trailer and be like, that's going to suck. And then years later, you watch it and go, why didn't I watch this? And it's like, because the trailer was terrible and you were convinced it was going to be crap. Isn't it amazing? That's why I don't like to hype up movies for people too much. I'm like, look, I enjoyed it. I won't hype it up for you too much. I want you to form your own opinions. Because if you tell them it's amazing, they're going to go in expecting amazing. And it's going to have to do even more than that to even meet the bar, you know? That's another thing I've learned as well. If I'm recommending someone anything, if it's a TV show, if it's a movie or music, well, basically I don't try and recommend it to them. I don't say, I think you will like this. I think you should watch it because you're going to like it. Because, no. What I can do, though, is I will tell people if I like something and why I like it. And if they think, like, oh, hey, I like those things too, then they can choose to go and watch it themselves. But it's not because I've told them they must. It's because they're interested in it. You know, I think that's the way to do it. Gotta let people make their own decisions. You can't just say to someone, you have to, you'll like it. Like, no, no. Because as much as you might know someone or have an idea of the sort of things they're going to like or have some overlapping taste, you can never predict how someone's going to react to anything because they're a complex human being, you know. I'm saying you know a lot for someone who's not talking to anybody. Oh my god, it absolutely tickles me. My friends and family have told me, um, this is multiple people, have told me that when they listen to my podcast, because some of you do, hi, if you're still listening, uh, that they forget that this is a podcast and they talk back to me. So maybe me saying, you know, it's just me trolling and waiting for you to respond back to me. (laughs) When I can't hear a word you're saying. (laughs) Oh, goodness. And it's getting dark. What time is it? It is now three minutes to six. I have to place a Woolworths order because I told myself this afternoon, uh, when I finish work, I'll probably record and podcast, go grocery shopping, but I can't go grocery shopping, Mandy. Why? Because my car doesn't go. And the reality of that has only started to sink in in the last few hours. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. Oh, and here's what's even better. The fuel price has just jumped 50 cents a litre. So, if I wanted to get an Uber, oh my god, it would be expensive. My mum offered me my gran's car because she can't really drive it at the moment, and I'm thinking of taking her up on it. It is a little old lady wagon. It's a little gold, little teeny tiny gold sedan that you could barely call a sedan. It's more like a micro sedan. Goes like clappers though, because the car's not, the car, the engine is outsized for the car. So you got to be careful in that thing because it speeds like a demon. Um, hmm. Yeah, I suppose maybe I could... All right. I, again, I didn't hear back from... It's, it's past close of business. I haven't heard back from a single car, uh, car mechanic. Car mechanic? This is why you're no good with cars, Mandy. This is why you kill them because you call a place that fixes cars the car mechanics instead of just the mechanic, you know, like a cool person. Oh, Jesus. All right. Um wish me luck on my car. <laughs> I hope you're all having a good week, a good life, a good day. And if you're not, that you're at least being kind to yourself and treating yourself well, because that is all you can do. Sometimes when life is kicking you about the ear, nose and throat, you can at least be nice to yourself. That is a thing that you can do and that you should do. All right. I will catch you all in the next episode. Hope I will try to make it not as long a wait next time. And thank you for listening. So many more of you have been listening, and it's been really nice to see. Uh, And that's it, guys. Bye for now.